Jeff and Miranda got up here, Cindy looked at me and said, Are you crying already? Didn't take me long. <laughs> Didn't take me long. Uh, before we get into the message, like we're, uh, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, we're starting our study. The last week in the life of Jesus, taking on us on up to Monday, Thursday, where we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Remember the cross and then head into Easter and remember that He's the resurrected Lord who is our hope. And I uh, wanted to move business meeting that we normally have on Wednesday nights to February 10th on a Sunday night. Encourage you to come uh, to be a part of that as we look at direction uh, as He works in our church and just business we need to discuss in the church body. Encourage you to be a part of that. Of course, We've already had our commercials night, game night. Pull out those games and come tonight and let's play. I, I know Trey likes Monopoly. I know that. he got a lot of kinds of Monopoly. But tonight, uh, tonight, today we're going to look at, uh, about to finish up this series on handling life's problems. And we're going to look this morning on the problem of defection. The word defection, uh, it literally means a lack of something essential. And a defector is one who ends up in the enemy camp. And as I thought about this message, it's in Jeremiah chapter 2, guys. Uh, in April, the third week in April, we're going to have Roger Roller come and to share with us a few days uh, for revival, to revive and refresh our hearts. And this is a kind of message that deals with us being refreshed. Us who are part of the body of Christ being reminded who we belong to. Because it, it, it talks about people who had forgotten about their God. They, they had lost their way and they ended up in the enemy camp. Not in the camp of the Lord because they had drifted away. We use the word backslide and it's actually used in our text uh, today. And uh, I, For our reading, though, we're going to be going through different verses in Jeremiah chapter 2. But I'm going to ask you to stand when you find Jeremiah 2. And I just want to read the first seven verses of the scripture reading. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the firstfruits of His harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But she came and defiled my land and made my inheritance statistical. Father, here we are, Lord. Uh, simply, we need you, Lord. We need to be reminded, God. Uh, I just pray you speak. Lord, I, I ask for your touch, your anointing, uh, your presence, uh, that you may say far more than I ever could uh, as we worship together. Lord, burn my heart, God. And those of my brothers and sisters today, maybe those who have not been born from above yet, but maybe today's the day. I pray for you to work, God. 
Um, Lord, just have your way in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah lived in a difficult day. It was a day where the people known as the people of God had forgotten God. They had drifted from God. They had drifted from who He is and what He commands. And it was a transition time and you had to go back to the time of a king, an 18-year-old king named Josiah. I don't know if you guys remember him or not in the Scriptures. Eight years old, and he ends up becoming king of Judah. And Second uh, Chronicles 34, I just want to take a moment and, and read a couple of verses from there. We read uh, verse 1, he says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. It says he did what was right in the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. Verse 3, he says, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carve idols, and cast images. Uh, so here's the situation. He was eight years old. And he had a tender heart. He was young. He had a tender heart toward God. And, and he began to learn about God. And, and then we learn eight years later, at the age of 16, he began to seek God. It was like, God, who are you? God, where are you? God, what do you want from me, God? I want to know you, Lord. There was a heart that says, I want to know who you are, God. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. And, and then we, we read that at the age of 20, he, he said... We've got to restore. We've got to rebuild. We've got to repair the temple of God. What had happened? The place where God's people came to worship had been neglected. Obviously, no one was going there. No one was worshiping. No one was seeking God. And, and the place was falling apart. And he said, let's take that building fund that we have set aside, that, that the people have given to restore the temple. And, and so he sent out his servant. He said, go out there. Take the builders. Take the repairmen. Find out what needs to be done. I trust you. Get out there and get to work because we want to honor God. And so it says that the, they went out there and, and they saw the temple and they began assessing what needed to be done to repair the temple. And while, we, while they were there, I want you to look here at verse 14 and 15 of, of 2 Chronicles 34. It says, While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Think about it, guys. The book of the law. The, 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 the scriptures that were known of that day, they were lost. And the high priest found that book. They had been living without the book. They had been living without God's Word, without His truth. And they found the book. And as you read on, it says that Shaphan went back. He went before the king after he had himself read the book. And he began reading from the book. And it's a beautiful picture because God got a hold of that 20-year-old king's heart. And he said, he was broken. He said, man, we have not been living according to the Lord. We have not been following the Lord. We have left the Lord out of our kingdom, out of our families, out of our lives. And he says, I want you. 
I want you, Hilkiah, to go before the Lord and to find out what we need to do in order to please the Lord, what we need to do in order to be right with the Lord and, and turn our hearts to Him. And man, that's what happened. He goes and he finds this prophetess of the Lord. And, and, and she says, Hey, because you have a heart that's ready to turn to me, I was going to send my spiritual spanking. I was going to send my discipline. But I'm going to spare you and because, I, because I love you. And I, I'm ready for you to come back. And, and, and there was a great revival. Man, things changed in the kingdom. Uh, worshiping idols and the false gods. That stuff was removed. And there became a heart that was turned to the living God. Josiah began seeking God. The people began seeking God. And, and there was revival. Man, there was a, a refreshment from God that happened in that kingdom. And it was awesome. But you know what happened? Over time, they got out of the book again. And once they got out of the book, <laughs> the book left their lives. And we come to Jeremiah chapter 2. And Jeremiah is broken. He is the prophet of the Lord. And he's looking, and, and he says, man, we've lost our way again. And, and he knows that Babylonian captivity is around the corner, that the enemies are coming, and that God's people have lost sight of God. And it's a desperate time, and it's a dangerous time. And the prophet was broken. And, and, and as we read in here, now we come to uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, our focal passage. And in here, he talks about those who have defected, those who have gone over to the enemy camp. And, and what has happened. And as I look at this, guys, what happened then still happens today. Hey, here's the simple truth of the matter. He still has provided His book. He still speaks to us. And we can still leave His camp. We, we can still, although we're of the Lord, we can look like we're not. And we can become defectors and, and, and become a mess in our lives because we're not walking in the Lord and following Him. That's what's recorded here in Jeremiah chapter 2. And, and just look at the first three verses here. The Lord is talking about back to the time of Josiah, back to the time of revival, back to the time of God at work. He says, The word of the Lord came to me. Proclaim this. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruits of His harvest all who devoured her were held guilty. And disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. So he comes now to the present. To the, he's talking now to the people. He was remembering back to the time of Josiah, the time where people were connected to God. But now he's looking at the present where they're disconnected. In verse 4 he says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me, that they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, Where's the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels, no one lives? He says, Hey, I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit, its rich produce. But you came, you defiled my land, and you made my inheritance detestable. Man, as I read that in verse 6, man, it caught my attention where he says, you don't even ask, where is the Lord? You don't have time for God. Your hearts aren't turned into God. You're just thinking about yourselves. And you're, and you're thinking about fulfilling your own selfish pursuits and wishes. And you left me out, and it's a dangerous time. That's the present. And then he goes on to the future. If they keep going down that road, 
This is the future. This is what awaits them. He, he talks about here in verse 18. He says, Now while we go to Egypt and drink water from Shehor and go to Assyria to drink water from the river, your wickedness will punish you, your backsliding rebuke you. Verse 17, he says, Have ye not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way? You're headed down a dangerous road. God's speaking through Jeremiah. And he's saying, You're headed down a dangerous road, guys. <laughs> and, and as we look, I want to go down through here and I want to just briefly talk about steps of defection, steps of losing sight of the Lord, and then talk about coming back. So let's begin there. And uh, first principle, that's in verses 5 through 7, defection does not occur suddenly. You don't just wake up one day and say, wow, I'm really far from the Lord. There'd be no reason for that. It is a process. It is an erosion. It happens over time. And, and, and look here in verse 5. It's interesting. He says, what fault did your ancestors find in me? He's talking about the ancestors, the, the, the parents, the grandparents, those before. He talks about how, he says, they strayed far from me. They followed worthless idols. And he says, they became worthless. Why, why were they worthless? Because they lost sight of God. They didn't ask, where's the Lord? <laughs> he talks about the one that brought us out of Egypt and through the barren wilderness and the deserts, the veins, the darkness. <laughs> he says, the, the, they forgot Verse 7, though, he switches from the ancestors to the people that he's talking to directly. Notice that. He says, I brought you. I'm not talking about the ones before you. You into a fertile land, but you defiled the land. You made my inheritance detestable. You see, it was a process yeah, he looked at the family before then, the family they grew up in. They didn't follow the Lord. They didn't turn to the Lord. And, 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 but they kept going that same path. They didn't try to turn back to the Lord. They, they didn't try to change or, or, or find God's forgiveness and His mercy and His ways. They just kept going down that same road. And, and it was a process toward defection and turning from God. It doesn't happen suddenly. It happens over time. As you leave God out of your life. David is a prime example of that. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Wow, what a section of Scripture that reminds us of uh, what happened to David. Uh, verse 1, he says, In the spring, time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men, the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbi. But David remained in Jerusalem. David stayed in Jerusalem when he should have been out with the army. When he should have been out in battle as the king and the commander. He stayed at home. Maybe he had spring fever, you know. It was just spring. Yeah, sometimes spring just hits and you're like, Oh man, I just don't want to do anything. I just want to sit and pick the petals off the flowers. I just want to think about sweet nothing. You know, holding that person in my arms. Woo, woo, you know. Spring just kind of hits you, you know. Everything just, you know. This is, I believe, happening to King David, but not only in his uh, role as a king, but in his spiritual life. 
He, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And, and the result of that was a fall. Notice here, as you go on through here, verse 2, he says, David got up from his bed. He, he walked around on the roof. And as he looked down, he saw a woman bathing. This next part's very important. The woman was very beautiful. Woo! What happened to David? He was looking where he shouldn't be looking. And it's, it's one thing to take a glance. It's something else to make a movie. And David was up there. I love what they said Martin Luther talking about temptation. And Luther said, hey, there's a difference between a bird flying around your head and building a nest in your hair. Well, that, that was where David was. He was looking at her. And man, the lust started burning inside. And, and, and I remember reading this week in my studies that talked about lust. The live lust is it always says, if you do this, you'll be happy. But the Bible says just for a season. The end of that's death. Hey, this is what happened. He, he saw her. The lust began to build in him. He knew better. He's called the man after God's own heart. But look what happens to him next. David sent someone to find out about her. And, and that, this guy's trying to warn him. He says, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of El- Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? In other words, in a gentle way, he said, Hey, King David, she's married. Hey, King David, you know, this is not right. And I mean, you've got to be gentle with a king. You know, he can cut your head off. And so he was very gentle in what he said. But notice what David did. David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. And we know after that, everything fell apart for David. But, but this was a process. At any time, when he went up on the roof, he didn't have to... When, it, when he looked down and he saw her, he could have said, man, I've got to get out of here. I've got to run and get out of here. But he didn't. And when he glanced, he didn't have to stay there. Like I said, man, he, the difference between a snapshot and a movie. And he's in there making a movie. And then, he, and then after that, he continues on. And he, he sends a servant. And then the servant tries to warn him. But he continues on. He says, get her for me. And man, he, he just... There was this falling apart. This, it didn't happen suddenly. Uh, it, 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 it went on. Uh, number two. Defection most often occurs in times... A blessing. You know, it's interesting as you study the life of David. Second Samuel chapter eleven. This account of David. This is when he was at the height of his reign. His name was on everybody's lips. This is the guy that conquered Goliath. This is the guy that expanded the kingdom. This is the guy that loves God. This is the guy that you fight for. Man, he's got it together. He's the guy you tell stories about to your kids because he's a man of character. That's where he was. And then it all came crashing down. It all fell apart. What happened? He lost sight of God. He continued to pursue his lust. And, 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 and then he ended up losing the blessing of God and, and going through extreme pain. Uh, there's a pattern in Scriptures. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9. Uh, turn me there briefly. Uh, Nehemiah talks about, you know, rebuilding the wall that had fallen around Jerusalem. There's a section of Scripture here 
verses 25 through 28 that I think show the pattern here that that happens through Scripture. Uh, Verse 25, he says, They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things. What did they get? Well, it says, they had wells that were already dug. They didn't dig the wells, they were already dug. They didn't plant the vineyards, they were already there. The olive groves and the fruit trees, they were in abundance. Man, it was all there, God's blessing. It wasn't a dripping, it was a pouring. They ate to the full, and they were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. Man, I love it. <laughs> there's revival, there's blessing. And it, but then, verse 26, it changed. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets. They committed blasphemies. And then they get the spiritual spank in verse 27. You delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. And here we go. When they got down to the bottom, what did they do? They cried to God. When they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven, you heard them. And in your great compassion... You gave them deliverers and rescued them from the hand of your enemies. But then what happened? Verse 28, as soon as they were at rest, they again again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then it says, you abandoned them, the hand of their enemies. Then it ends by saying, and when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them time after time. You see, there's the time of blessing. There, there's a time where, where, where maybe you feel close to God and you walk around. Be careful! Man, that's a time where you're very vulnerable. That's a time where the devil comes in and says, Yeah, you, you're doing good. You're walking with God. Maybe you don't need to read your Bible so much. Maybe you don't need to set that side time to pray so much. Maybe you don't really need to go to church tonight. I mean, hey, you're tight with God. You don't Be careful! And as you look at this pattern, there was a time of abundance. There was a close walk. There was blessings. But then they would forget it and they would drift away and then they'd end up where they never intended to be and they'd cry out again, God, show mercy. And the good news is as we look at this is God's always there. No matter where you are, if you're at the place where you need mercy, cry out to Him and He says, I will provide it. Uh, Let me move on. Defection flourishes under loose leadership. Look at verse 8 here in Jeremiah 2. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? It wasn't just the people that said, where is the Lord? Hey, it was the spiritual leaders. Look what God said. Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. Man, what had happened? It wasn't just the people in the pews. It was the, the guys in the pulpit. They, too, had defected. They had lost sight of God. They had stopped asking the question, God, where are you? God, how can I be close? And it, 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 Man, you know, we have a culture that just wants to put us to sleep. They want to wipe out our influence. They want to wipe out our, our, our being committed to God and His ways. And, and they just want, you know, like the frog in the kettle, just gently go to sleep. Don't talk about how sin hurts people. Don't talk about how a Savior reaches out and saves people. Just shh. There was a prayer some years ago by Joe Wright, which he gave to the Kansas Senate. And some of the politicians walked out. I, I just want to share it briefly. You guys have probably heard it. This was the most requested uh, piece on Paul Harvey. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, Woe on those who call evil good. But that's exactly what we've done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium, inverted our values. We confess that. We ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We've worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We've endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We've neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We've killed our unborn and called it choice. We've shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We've neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We've abused power and called it political savvy. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We've polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We've ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God. Know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin. Set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who've been sent here by the people of Kansas and who've been ordained to you to govern this great state. Grant them the wisdom to rule and may their decisions direct us to the center of your will. I ask it in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that bold? I love it. I can be such a weenie. I love to hear it though when somebody's bold. And that's what he calls us to. All right, I'm, close, I'm closing up here soon. Don't worry. Uh, defection involves two specific sins. Look at verse 13 of uh, Jeremiah 2. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. There are two specific sins that are mentioned. Uh, first, he says, uh, they've forsaken me. God's no longer a part of their lives. Hey, it's more than showing up at the church one day a week, right? forsook God. They weren't marked by God. Their lives weren't marked by God. And the second thing here, not only were their lives not marked by God, it says they've dug their own cisterns and they're broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Jesus said, I'm the living water. But what they've concocted, what they're following, what they're trusting in, cannot hold the living water. Why? Because it, it's not of God. It, it, it's, it, you know, we just need something new. No, you don't. You need the old, old story that saves Jesus. Jeremiah 6, uh, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good is, the, the good way is. Walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. Hey guys, we need to quit this. We will not walk in it. You won't rest. Walk in His way. Walk with the Lord. And, and, and that, that leads us to this next uh, tough point here. Defection provides its own consequences. Provides, look at verse 19. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Hey, in, in other words... Backsliding doesn't come without a price or a cost. I believe the most miserable people are those who have backslid. Those who belong to the Lord but are not close to the Lord. 
and they're miserable. And they're, they don't want to be around people that love Jesus, people that walk with the Lord. They're just like, man, I want to avoid you. Why? Because you make me feel bad. Why do you feel bad? Because God's got so much more for you. he got so much more for you. Here's a quote from Charles Ryle. It's a miserable thing to be a backslider. Of all unhappy things that can befall a man, I suppose backsliding's the worst. A stranded ship, a broken winged eagle, a garden overrun with weeds, a harp without strings, a church in ruins, all these are sad sights. But a backslider is a sadder sight still. That true grace shall never be extinguished and the true union with Christ never be broken off. I feel no doubt. But I do believe that a man may fall away so far that he shall lose sight of his own grace and despair of his own salvation. A wounded conscience, a sick mind of itself, a memory full of self-reproach, a heart pierced through with the Lord's arrows, a spirit broken with a load of inward accusation, all this is a taste of hell, hell on earth. I'm so glad the message doesn't end here. I'm so glad that, that God says, hey, when you, when you drifted, when you're far from me, you know, I don't care anymore. Just, just you know, just suffer. That's not God. For me, chapter 3, this is a last point here I, I look at. Jeremiah 3, 12 and 13 gives us hope, gives an answer to those who maybe have drifted from God. God talks to Jeremiah. He says, Go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Amen. Only acknowledge your guilt. You've rebelled against the Lord your God. You've scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Okay, uh, I'm actually going to start with verse 13. He says, acknowledge your guilt. Here's the first thing here. Man, God wants you to come clean. You say, if you knew this about me, it won't be me. Let me tell you something. God already knows. And I'll tell you something else. He loves you still. The word confess literally in the Greek means to say the same thing. And so what God wants you to do is to say the same thing He does. To say, hey, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. God, I really do want you. I want your forgiveness. I want you. Say the same thing. Come clean. Don't play the game. Let God deal with your heart. That's what it's about. And then secondly, the next one here, as you go back up, What's he say there in verse uh, 14? He says, return. <laughs> return. And in verse 12, return, faithless says, Come back. Head my direction. That's what it's about. And, and as we come here, it's a time, you know, we call response invitation. Man, we have an altar that's open. Come back. Come to God. If you drifted, He loves you. He says, come on, come back. That's the kind of God we have. And, and come and share before His people. If He's working in your heart, we want to hear what He's doing. Because we want to celebrate with you. Because we, we, we need God. We're all a mess too. We need to say, hey, hey, just listen to His voice. Return. Acknowledge it. Return. I, I love the story Ernest Hemingway told. 
of the dad and his teenage son. And the two of them, man, they just started fighting. And we're having... It's just awful. And, and finally, uh, the son at least ran away. Broke the dad's heart. He took time off from work and he went searching for him. He didn't know what to do. He looked everywhere he could think of. He ended up in Madrid... And he, he put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. And uh, he said, uh, Dear Paco, word for son, he says, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. So the dad shows up at noon in front of the newspaper office. And there's 800 sons there. 800 sons there who needed to be forgiven, who needed to be restored, who, who needed to be new. Hey, that's the story of the gospel. God loves you. You're His son. You're His daughter. And He says, come home. He says, I'm ready to meet you here now. I'm ready for you to return. Just acknowledge where you are. Say the same thing I say and then return and come and find my mercy. Hey, I love the story of the prodigal son. I'm closing with this, and then I'm, I'm going to ask you to come as God's called, as He's spoken to you. Turn me to Luke 15. You guys know the wonderful story. The prodigal son, the lost son. Um, what a great, great section of Scripture. As Jesus talks about this lost son. And uh, the son, you know, he, he said, Hey, i got to have my share of the inheritance. got to have my money, Dad. Life needs a move. So he takes that money and he moves. And he goes and he wastes all his money on wild living. You know, living it up, having a big time. Then he comes to the end of his money. Man, he's, he's living there and yeah, this is really tough for Jews. He, he's eating with the pigs. He's eating some pig food with a pig. Finally, he says he comes to his senses and he says, uh, I need to go home. You know, even if I eat out back with the servants, you know, that's better than his pig food. Isn't good? So he starts rehearsing his story. He heads home. And as he's walking along, he's saying, Man, you're a jerk. You're a loser. You're pitiful. Your dad. Dad, he dad probably hates me. Dad probably thinks I'm worthless. He he may never forgive me, but I gotta take the chance. I understand if he's bitter. I understand if, he's, if I messed, you know, if he just doesn't want to see me. I, I get it, because, man, I'm, I'm a jerk. And I can just see him, you know, he's walking, he's kind of rehearsing this. And he's saying, well, i, I got to say to him, Dad, please forgive me. So he, he's going through this stuff in his head. <laughs> but notice, uh, verse 20, I love this. He's, he's headed, he said he got up, he went to his father. But while he was still, while he was still a long way off, his dad was looking in the distance. Why was he looking in the distance? Because he loves his son and he hoped day after day that he would come back. His father saw him. And his father didn't rehearse that speech. His father didn't say, you are a jerk. It says he was filled with compassion. And he's moved to tears. 
he didn't think about where his son had been in a sense of how it separated him from his son. All he could think about was he's he's home! That's what he thought about, man. And, and what happened? I love this. He didn't wait for his son to head toward him. He took off in a sprint. Man, he's running. And he's headed toward his son. And, and you know, his son is kind of probably going, you know, it's like, what in the world? And before he could say a thing, before he could go through his rehearsed speech, his dad picks him up in a bear hug. And, guys, I know this doesn't sound manly, but he just starts covering him with kisses, you know? Why? Because he loves his son. Hey, that's our God. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you find yourself uh, where you never intended to be. Let me tell you something. Our Heavenly Father's same way. He's He's looking now towards you and He's saying, return. You know, just, just be ready for my, my embrace. Just be ready for my grace. Just come. Just, just say the same thing I say. Acknowledge and return. And you'll find what you need. You'll, because I love you and, and I'm going to turn your way. And, and, and Hey guys, that's it. And, and so I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And, and God's spoken to your heart. Come pray at the altar. Come to the front. Let God deal with, with, with you. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for a chance to look at your word, Lord. Well, we are drifters. But thank you, Lord, that you are the kind of dad that looks and runs towards. Father, uh, help us be honest, come clean, acknowledge where we are, and accept your grace, Lord. I pray, Father, that you just work, Lord. I, I just want you to work, Lord. May we respond. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray.